Greetings, nerds. This is Cena Nerd. I'm your host, Sarah Beaumont, and with me, as always, is our Mr. Producer, Will Polk. How are you doing tonight, Will? Very well, Sarah. How are you doing this evening? Doing all right. We're here. We're here. Such a an news-dropping week in the Arrowverse. I mean, let's see. Today we had news that Lex Luthor is going to be on Supergirl, and yeah. Really? Yes. Oh, breaking news. Breaking news to Sarah. Okay, let's let's just like clear the air here. When we do these recordings, you you've had your night. This is like your pre-bed snack. Okay, this is your pre-bed yes. treat. Me, I'm just getting my night started. I I don't check Twitter when I'm at work. I'm just I'm just off the grid. I'm focused on what I have to do there. And so, funny we're not talking Supergirl well, tonight. <laughs> Maybe we should. <laughs> they had to do it eventually. It just makes sense. You have all of the other yeah, listeners. Exactly, exactly. But uh, yeah, but then we had some of the other Elseworld, the poster with Arrow and Flash, Grant and Steven switching places, and uh, and then all the pretty cool fan fan generated uh, posters from that, where you had Killer Frost and Five switching, and and, I, and the one that I can't get out of my head. Uh, Steven and Melissa flipping from Supergirl to an Arrow. <laughs> it's just the one that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, then you had the uh, Super. Yeah, I guess you had the Black Superman costume, and uh, and also uh, looks like they're going to be. I guess I saw some still shots of. Uh, I guess yesterday, Clark's uh, back in Smallville. So, little tip, hat tip back to the. Back to the good old days of Smallville and Clark and uh, and Lois showing up and possibly being a backdoor pilot for Superman, maybe. Do we need that? Do we need Superman on the small screen? Yeah, yeah. Do we need that? Well, he's had a we've had a mixed track record recently on the big screen. Yeah, but we have Supergirl, yeah. and that show doesn't get nearly the same ratings, nor has the same fan base. I mean, we were just talking about how this week, yeah, there's been a lot of Arrowverse yeah. news, but it's been dominated by Flash and Arrow, not That's by true. Supergirl. That is true. I don't know. Do we need it? It's sort of like the question, do we need Batwoman? Batwoman is a, she's a character who's, it's not a, it's not the female rendition of Batman. It's yes, it, she is a female, but more importantly, she is representative of the LBGT community, and and that's something we haven't seen before. And and I think that that really that combination allows her to have a greater platform than even when they did go the Supergirl route and wanted to explore Kara's story on the small screen versus Clark's story on the big scene. And then, Will, you're forgetting one other very important factor here. Do we need this when we have Krypton? Very, very, very good point. No, we do not need this. <laughs> because, <laughs> because Krypton, <laughs> if you haven't watched it, I strongly recommend you do so before it returns uh, the first of next year because it has really expanded the, the universe and mythos of, of Superman in a way that when, you, when we first heard about it, I was not sure wh whether or not this show was going to work, but it has done the job of a, what a prequel should do, which is create its own universe while still respecting the established universe of the character. 
It's just a show that there are some images and scenes that anytime I say the word Krypton, I go straight back to that moment and my jaw dropped because I did not know that they were going to go there. There are some standalone episodes, and it's funny, last week when we were talking about Black Lightning, I brought up Twilight Zone. Krypton is also another superhero show that when it goes that that odd and that bizarre route and it gets very Twilight Zone-ish, that's when that show is is doing is doing its best work. Definitely. Yeah, and and so and so I don't I don't think we need it. I don't think that the viewers want it. Honestly, I think the idea that Superman exists in this world is good enough. I think that right now, Greg Berlanti and crew have to focus on the characters that they have currently on the table because they're not perfect. They're not okay. I mean, everybody gets a new new slate at the start of the season, but we need some better consistency here. We need. Um, um, characters that that we have grown to, we've been through seasons with. They still need attention. We can't be like, this can't be operated under ABD, okay? We can't be like, ooh, sparkly object yeah. here, here, here. I want, I want. Yeah. No, 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 no. You, you've built your universe. Why keep? And there's way to introduce new characters, but not everybody needs their own That's TV show. A very good point. I mean, and you know. The source that said that there's a Superman show out in development has a very mixed track record. So, you know, it could just be one of those things that, hey, as you said, it's the the shiny object, and we're just going to capitalize on the pop, you know, the the, the popularity of the uh, Arrowverse crossovers, and uh, and also quite, and I think, uh, and, and also uh, the fact that people are still have very very mixed or even just outright bad feelings towards the DCEU as far as what they've done with the characters on the big screen and so maybe mm-hmm. you know they're just putting this out as a trial balloon just to sort of see what the reaction is going to be uh, see what the reaction is going to be with the crossover uh, but you know to your point uh, Batwoman is definitely if they do want to expand the Arrowverse some more into a, another show possibly being like Black Lightning was last year, Legends, or that weird schedule they had with Legends and Supergirl where they drop a show and do it in that, you know, compressed you know, maybe 12, 13 episode type of season uh, for for the new show then, yeah, if it's going to be a character, then do it for Batwoman, but maybe, maybe keep Superman there for the, for the as guest appearances on Supergirl and, and, and for these crossover events because maybe that's the better better use of that character. Yeah. Definitely. And and I I guess I'm also I don't know how many more superhero shows I can I can take <laughs> yeah. at this point. In 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 the sense that I feel like the more you have to compare to, the more you see the flaws. Yes. yes. So, so I just, I don't, I already see the cracks. I don't want those cracks to suddenly get heightened that much more, um, in comparison to, to another character, another story. And, and it is interesting how it always seems like the first seasons of these shows are, are hailed as usually the better season. Um, 
I mean, Arrow is is proving, though, that that's not always the case. Sometimes they just have to catch their breath and um, find a new a new way to tell yeah. the story. Um, yeah, and so on that note, let's jump into Arrow, Inmate 4587, Season 7, Episode 1, Oliver in Jail. It's madness, madness. You know, it's interesting. Um, full disclosure, listeners, we recorded our reaction to this episode on Tuesday night, and then due to technical difficulties and the world being against me this week, uh, we are having to re-record, and I've had more time to think about this episode. So, since you've had more time to think of it, are you as hyped as you were when we first talked about it, or, or less so? No, I'm I'm not as hyped, not nearly. Um, it, it's and it's again, it's not that I I do think that this is a good episode. This is a great season premiere of any show. I think it's the best one out of all of the premieres we've seen over the last few weeks. It's a solid introduction to this season. I do think that. Why it stands out so much is the the bookends, the the opening montage, um, and and I stand by. If you remove that music, the the montage works so much more better. It's it was very distracting for me because first of all, Titans trailer. Okay, that song stuck in my head for weeks after watching Titans trailer, and now it's back in my head. Um, but but also it's so well directed and edited together. I don't think you need that punctuation mark. And Arrow doesn't do that with their music choices. They don't incorporate songs. They did that in season one and then they dropped it. So it was really odd to have that be the lead in of season seven. Or, yeah, oh, or, or you, know, you said this like the bookends, and maybe that was part. Maybe that was an intentional thing to help reset. This, this show because last season heard since season four which is has traditionally been it seems to be in the Arrowverse the the season where things they trip over themselves in the worst possible way uh, season five or, or six in the case of Arrow was supposed to be that that reboot and and mm-hmm. we thought that we were going to get that in season six it was a reboot of something, but it wasn't what fans were expecting. And so this time, as you were saying, utilizing the music and stuff, maybe that was a cue to, hey, this is the arrow that we're getting back to our roots from season one. I'm, I'm sorry. All I heard was the shade thrown at season six of Arrow. <laughs> well, I, well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just pointing it out. I, I actually enjoy season six of Arrow, as you know. But uh, I knew it. But, uh, <laughs> you know, but a lot of people didn't. And I'm just trying to provide that voice for those folks who didn't. Shame on you. Do not. <laughs> How dare you bring them into this conversation? <laughs> no. No. I, season six is an interesting one because it's a bridge, I find. Um, season five, the way they ended season five, the way they came full circle with everything. Uh, they use season six as this kind of bridge to get them to what they're doing this year. Now that Beth um, Schwartz is show running, 
there is an expectation that things will be different. Things aren't going to be what they were before. And they did a good job setting that tone this season. Again, I'm not saying it's a bad episode. I'm just saying when, when I react 20 minutes after watching an episode, my, my fam girl is so much more louder than yep. two days later. And it's partly because I've moved <laughs> on. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not still reminiscing over it. Um, and, and the other bookend to it that I think hit a lot of people was the fact that we have that amazing cliffhanger, which again, hats off to the writers. They did an awesome job with it. Nobody called this. Um, nobody called that Roy Harper, 20 years in the future, is going to be on the island. And we're going to watch a, a grown up William travel to the island in search of answers about his father. It opens so many stories. And it's amazing. And the way they did it, they did it very reminiscent of the pilot episode. They, they really reminded you that, that, you know, I, I, I think with a lot of these shows, why we're constantly saying, we've seen this before. This is just an endless loop and an endless cycle. Well, that's what time is. There's, there's a lot of us who experience time in a way where it's like, it's very repetitious. It, it, it just, it's, it feels like it's the same thing again and again and again. And, and really when, when you find like that victory, it's a sense that, no, I broke that loop. I've, I really have changed this fate. And so I, I love that they're introducing time travel in this way. It's it's not the same way as no, Flash, but it's but it's still that that idea that a lot of us who like these shows that that super that that scientific element to it um, that that allows more humanity to be brought into the picture about what fate is and mortality and this these larger than life concepts. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I do like the I do like the concept of of utilizing time travel in, in the flash forward way because it does turn it does open up so many possibilities. Because uh, in contrast with the flash, which we are going to talk about here shortly, you know, time travel usually is going back and trying to uh, and 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 in other time travel stories it's usually the hero or someone going back in time to fix quote unquote fix something that went wrong or trying to uh, write the, the timeline so that things in the press in their current present day world will continue and what they what they know this mm-hmm. Barry yeah, Allen. this is mm-hmm. like you said it truly does open up so many possibilities here as far as doing these flash forwards and sort of seeing what uh, what led William to to go to the island, because mm-hmm. you know where we are in present day is Oliver's in jail. Felicity has sent William off to uh, boarding school for protection uh, from DS. <laughs> and, <laughs> I just like the emphasis you had to put out there. Just for yep. protection. <laughs> and also thinking thinking back to season six, how William was very, um, 
you know, Oliver was giving up being the Green Arrow because he wanted to spend more time with him and and you know not get killed out in the field and all those things. All that that all those all those feelings and all those things that that happened in the past. And then we jump forward 20 years into the future, and you know we well one we are we are assuming that he is going to the island to pick up the mantle. I mean, what other reason? would he go there unless something's happened to Oliver and he's just trying to find out, you know, more about, you know, his story. Cause I mean, the last time William was at Lian Yu, I mean, that's when Prometheus killed himself and you know, he lost his mother. So, you know, mm-hmm. why is he, it does open up the doors to hopefully we'll get some explanations for why he's doing that. Yeah. Wait a second. Yeah. Wait a second. Yeah. Wait a second. Oh my god. Well, we we suck. Why haven't I thought about this? They blew up the island. So so how can Robert Queen's grave still be intact like that? I was thinking that's a good question. I, and I and I you know, now that you mention it, I did think about that during the episode. Or maybe it was just part of the island that wasn't wired. I don't know. <laughs> uh Maybe it's another Earth. <laughs> You don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to disrupt your point with that, but but I mean, I, I kind of had a similar moment watching The Flash this week, and I kind of like, why haven't we speculated about this yet? Is that a flaw? But if if I mean, season five, they 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 really did blow up that island, and it looked pretty much the but, same yeah it did look the, much the same but remember didn't every damn it Nora <laughs> it's, it's, I tell you it's Nora, Nora and Barry they found a way to mess up the timeline <laughs> which which is another thing that stood out in the season premiere is that the flash last week we were talking about how they did not do a five month five month jump they made it very clear in Arrow that there was a five-month jump, time jump, between the finale and the premiere. Yeah. So now that we know that we're headed into Elseworlds and Oliver and Barry are switching costumes, um, powers, potentially families, do you, um, do you think that there was a reason for that discrepancy? Um, I mean... Uh- the one obvious thing is that the timelines were messed up and maybe that's why the island is intact now and maybe mm-hmm. uh, the outcome was different in that um, William's mother is not dead and and right. um, William is uh, hunting down answers uh, more answers about Oliver which you know, why did Oliver choose the path that he did becoming the, the Green Arrow? And um, and also, you know, what's Roy doing there? And how does, you know, how does Thea and, and play into this and, and Roy play into this? Because, you know, last time we met, last time we saw them, uh, they were going off to, uh, to deal with various Lazarus pits and other things. So, um, you know, again, it just... What I, as you said earlier, this time jump for five months and also the twenty-year, twenty-decade time jump opens up so many, so many story possibilities. Not 
Not to mention we have a new person in Star City, you know, wearing wearing the hood. So and so mm-hmm. and, and what you know what possibilities that means for uh, for us is that you know is that Roy coming back to take out the mantle of Green Arrow? Clearly, it's not Diggle, but there's. I think I think that that we're all focusing on the wrong thing about that scene though. It's it's not just that there is a a vigilante, someone impersonating Arrow. It's that 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 final shot of this individual, they were marking off names yep. on a book, very reminiscent of Oliver Queen's mission in season one and the whole reason why he came back exactly. to Star City. And 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 I and I don't want to overlook that point because I think that's more interesting because we've seen hood impersonators before. Hey, I'm gonna watch Daredevil this season and um, later this weekend, and there's a Daredevil impersonator. So so we're used to that, but it's the fact that they're even going one yeah. step further, and it's a similar yeah, they mission. They are carrying out that same methodology when. Even down, to, you know, only thing was missing is you failed the city. <laughs> I, you know, you're right. <laughs> you're, you're you're very very right about that, and and it's um, it reminds you about what Star Star City was mm-hmm. in season one, a very passive aggressive. On the defense, keep your head head low. You have the rich, you have the poor. Clear injustice occurring, um, but nobody willing to step up and try to put an end to it by any means necessary until um, Oliver came back. And then this season, due to the vigilante van and due to everything, all of the fallout, all of these characters are suddenly benched. And that is so frustrating for them. And I really do appreciate how they did that. I especially appreciate the use of Renee and Dinah because, again, these are ancillary characters. We we don't have as much love or admiration for them as as the OTA, as the cool kids call it. But but the way they were used to really set the stage for what was internally occurring within the yeah. city itself it was, was brilliant. It was. Yeah, I mean that that whole scene where you know Renee opening up the gym, you know dealing what we would jokingly call the Cobra Kai gym, and uh, <laughs> the uh, you know and you know he's Renee talking to the kids and just the disillusionment that. And the despair that has returned to the city because its protector's gone, and folks are like, mm-hmm. you know, we're back to where we were, and 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 then on the other side you have Dinah who is, you know, trying to pick up the the pieces of the police department and trying to restore trust in the police department after uh, Diaz corrupted it and. and Turn it into his own private army vigilante force to uh, to loot and you know enrich himself, and and so it, it was a very explosive moment. And also when you factor in the dynamics from uh, of the new team arrow about how they you know how they had their split from the from their OTA as a, and mm-hmm. and so. It, it, you know, now they find themselves on opposite sides of the vigilante issue after they themselves have been vigilantes and and, and their approach to it, uh, where 
you know, Brene was trying to you know, teach people, uh, you know, how to defend themselves and and also and how to protect themselves from, um, you know, going down that route of vigilanteism. But then at the end of the day, you know, Wild Dog returns <laughs> because he realizes that, you know, <laughs> to deal with some of these these matters, you just, it, it, they do have to take the law into their own hands. And then Dinah, who um, is now really being that law and order, no, no, we got to go the, the, the quote-unquote correct way and go through the you know typical due process and everything like that. And to the point where she was like, look, if I, if I catch you doing this again, I'm, I'm, I'm writing you up. I'm taking you in. And so, and, and so right. it really did set up a very interesting I hope to carry this dynamic forward especially with Oliver uh, being in prison and it's going to be in there for a while uh, it's not going to be a two episode <laughs> kind of deal um, mm -hmm. it, I hope to carry that, that forward uh, this season because uh, it, you know, it makes for that makes for good organic tension and really gets to some of the, these philosophical points that um that they it, with. It, it allows it allows the show to have the mm -hmm. conflict without a without a villain yes. of the week because there wasn't one this season it was really just crafted around not only Oliver being stuck in jail Felicity and William being vulnerable to Diaz because um, they're under Argus protection but Diaz is pretty crafty um, but Essentially, the conflict is the dramatic beats are found with Dinah and and Renee's conflict over what yeah. to do now and how do they allow justice to occur in the city and they take very different stances on it and and I think that was really the brilliance of the episode is that they they didn't need a villain of the week they they already had that it built in and they're able to tell a much larger story that way and and i think that's why it stood out among all of the others because everyone else did yeah, i feel yeah. like what else to talk about in this episode i know that there was more yeah, more in the set uh, we you know we've talked about a lot of the ancillary characters but we haven't talked about the man himself oliver who? Uh, he's okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, I, I will. Say, I like the way that to, again contrast this with uh, another show that uh, I'm always defending, The Flash. Mm -hmm. I, I like the way that they have handled his story while in prison, because he it, Oliver is. You know, when we when we see Oliver, I won't say he's a broken man. But he is—he is a man who is doing his best to, in 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 a situation of his own making, uh, protect his team. He turn, you know, he turns himself in, and, and he protects and, and uses this as a way to hopefully protect Felicity and William from from Diaz and all the other threats that are out there. Now that he has publicly outed himself, because. Again, that's one of the reasons, obviously one of the reasons why these heroes do wear masks is, you know, you hear the story in the lecture about protecting, mm -hmm. protecting your family and friends from all the, all the harm. 
but you know, it, it, and, I, and I saw it, and I was watching the episode again, and you know, I, I, and you know, he was counting the days, very reminiscent of of Barry did when he was uh, in Iron Heights in the Flash. Um, I almost forgot that happened. And, um, and 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 so it was, you know, it was seeing a very caged and, and, and reserved Oliver and a person who was always ready to fight and for, for what's right and then you have the inmate that comes up to him and you know wants his protection but Oliver's like no I don't do that anymore which was like even when he gave up being Arrow for the first part of season 6 he was still like taking action in other ways as, as Mare Queen and 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 mm-hmm. now we have a very withdrawn Oliver who is like nope nope I'm just gonna sit here leave me alone I just want to eat sleep count my days look at the photo of Felicity and William and just you know do my time and you know and that loss that sense of disillusionment from the uh, from the other prisoner he was like well f- well fine then you know I, I it was a good you know, we were talking about Star City and how it's um, fallen back to its old self. And, and with this character, it was the same way. He was like, well, you know, all my hope and despair is, uh, yeah, my, all my hope is like crushed here because, you know, my hero is, is letting me down. And there's there's that angle. And then there is also the, the, the literary uh, angle that they've played up with this with the Count of Monte Cristo which was you know a person who was um, wrong, wrongly con- convicted of a crime and you know I guess being personified in the other inmate and uh, you know going to Oliver to, to help him out and, and Oliver you know even after he got beat up and then Oliver having to that moral dilemma this guy is like called out to him to help and he doesn't and it wasn't a felicity I know some people said it was Felicity's permission to, you know, to fight back is where he got his mojo back. But I think there were other other motivations for it. Yeah, I. Okay, so this this may be a long drawn out point, but try to stay with me here. Um, because while you were talking, I was thinking about this, and you raised some some interesting perspectives. First of all, I think the the term "caged" is highly appropriate for this. Like that is what we're wis- witnessing, and and that is the beauty of part of the better parts of this episode is because you really get the idea of what it really means to be behind behind bars. I mean, these people are caged. They are. It is routine. It is it is um, just boredom, and and it's kind of intense. But it's a different form of intensity because you are monitored 24/7. You you no outside communication, isolation, and all of that. Um, but I couldn't help but think about Oliver season one and how he didn't want. He, he came back with a mission. He almost felt he couldn't be Oliver Queen because of what that would mean in terms of him making sure he got um, the justice uh, for his or f- make sure he he um, he redeemed his father's name and legacy and all of that. 
And, and so in a way, he he did kind of like some of the some of the distance, um, a lot of the the isolation and self isolation and just being a martyr himself, I think is is very much who he was back then. Only, only you, you're 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 seen in a different way, and and maybe this is just like the show repeating past beats because Oliver Queen is has never left yeah. Purgatory. He never has. And he's just in an, another version of it mm. behind bars. Mm. Good point. Good point. Well, it was a team effort. Thank you very much. <laughs> team effort, and and you, and I and I agree with you. Like Count of Monte Cristo, which I'm surprised they haven't pulled out that book before. You know, because that's what the show's all about. Yep, it is. It is. But it's just a great use of a you know a classic literature to to care you know to tell the story and. Um, continue to do that uh where appropriate because you know, what what better way to uh you know those those universal feelings and, and things that that happen and and, and that, that are explored in in that medium to the to the television medium i i agree i agree um so in terms of william okay Let's let's talk about these kiddos who are running around and stirring up trouble, and and let's talk about the yeah. Flash a little bit because I had a I had a sort of an aha moment watching season five episode two of the Flash um, last night. Nora's continue huh. because okay, last season we saw her. I believe her first appearance was in the yeah. crossover. So episode eight of season four. Yep. <laughs> okay, and then we see her in her in and out for the remainder of the season until the finale when she helps Barry mm-hmm. with the satellite, and then she she confronts everybody and is like, "Hey, I'm your daughter. This isn't crazy." La la la. So and and this whole time she's had her powers and and that was that was um. That was fine. I I just I don't understand. I guess at this point I I get what she's staying. I understand that. But if her whole but she's been around since season four, episode eight. Why didn't she come out sooner? Um. Well, you know we we talked a little bit about that uh, as far as the motivations of the mystery girl uh, in season four and some of the looks that she gave various characters. Um, or with like for example when uh, you know at one point I think we were wondering if uh, if she su- suspected Harrison or Harry of being another version of Reverse Flash and um, you know there were there were other situations where um, you know she's you know she had that encounter with Iris um, briefly at. She was also writing the code of devote. Yeah, in her book. Yeah. So, you know, at that point, I wonder if she was holding herself back, uh, maybe to not corrupt the timeline any more than necessary. Uh, but maybe the, the the satellite incident, where if if it had played out as it might have originally gone, Barry was going to be maybe it was going to be killed in that moment. And so 
she made the decision then to, you know, because if I recall in the finale of season four, uh, uh, time was reversed where things went, you know, went back. Oh, it was. And it was. So, you know, and the second time around, that's when Barry, you know, did get the assist from Nora to de- defeat the satellite because otherwise I think he probably would have failed and died in the process and also Central City probably would have been, you know, been messed up as well, if not destroyed. Well, wouldn't Nora Allen have never existed to reverse exactly. time? But she reversed, she reversed time. time to save herself and to save Barry and to save the city. But 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 if you if you still no no you have to stand by your show and justify yeah. this to me. But if you live the full event knowing that oh my god my father just died, wouldn't you instantly disappear? It is it is a Back to the Future kind of moment there. Um, as far as well, if the original timeline, you know, if she could still live, just a minute, Nora's evil. <laughs> no, Seth <laughs> is not evil, but I think she is. I mean, she basically did. I think it was a it was self preservation um, to stop him from hitting that thing right before it before he did so okay well you know it's it's just was interesting to me in this watching this episode because they this episode you they really from now that both barry and iris are aware which hats off to you writers thank you for not prolonging this and allowing iris to know the full truth right from the the get-go It's still it. It is funny though how how even though she knows really going on, she still kind of is upset that like Nora doesn't want to spend any time with her. <laughs> well, and, and I, I yeah. Well, yeah. go ahead. Go ahead. I, I have a thought about that. That something you said last week. So I was thinking of something you said last week about uh, their relationship and you know and, and wanting to go into the future and sort of like how we had in um with um in season three with barry going forward to seeing his future self and with with avatar and how all of the his decisions ended up estranging himself from uh from the team and and you know cisco losing his losing his arm his hands and the bio powers and stuff and you mentioned last week it would have been it, it would be fun to see if they would go forward in time to see you know iris dealing with um you know the loss of barry and how that impacted iris you know or 30 years from now you know maybe we guess get more things about why we you know why iris and nora have the have the relationship that that that's clearly awkward and very distant right now but i'm thinking part of the reason I'm thinking now, the reason why that um, they're estranged and stuff is it, it's it's the bond that that Barry and, and Nora have, and and Iris is just feeling more and more like this 
you know, why can't I have this relationship with my daughter that, you know, Barry just seems to naturally pick up this parenthood thing and, 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 and maybe seeing all those things and then, and then the events that, that will unfold still happen where Barry does disappear. Um, maybe that, uh, maybe those feelings of seeing Barry and, and, and Nora have these moments and stuff and Iris not having those moments when we're the inevitable end of the season where Nora goes back to her, her rightful time, maybe, um, causes her to to feel this kind of resentment or distance from her because they never really did have those those moments to bond like Barry and and Nora did okay sorry I'm just trying to calculate all of the time jumping you did there's a lot of time jumps there that's right here and then you're over here and then you're back here and then then that causes that what came first Iris or Nora That's that's all I'm saying at this point I think you're probably on to something there. You you get a lot of these right more so than I do, um, partly because I just throw out ideas that if I was the writer, here's where my thoughts would go, um, while you're much more like, no, the writers are writing the show. I'm going to go along with what their logic. Um, so, so you're probably going to be right. Um, I would never tell you you're wrong, Will, about these things, knowing your track history. I just, I, I was thinking though that when did Iris's mob leave? It was before, before Barry yeah, came, it was before right? Barry came. I think, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, she, oh, you know, I swear to God, I have no faith in people anymore because that's that's pretty intense if they can do this in a way where they highlight the fact that iris's desire to be mom stems from the fact that she didn't have a mom really growing up majority of her life and so she wants that bond that's something she's never experienced as a daughter and then to have your your own daughter grow up who who because they don't know their dad places their dad on a pedestal and you're the parent who stayed um you're the parent who was always there so i i i i just there is a lot and and you know this episode blocked i really liked what they did with iris this time this is one of the few times i've liked how she was written it made sense it was Mm -hmm. compelling and I thought it was ironic because it had nothing to do with Barry. Yes. Like it did, it, but it you, didn't. You're 100% on point there. And uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm there 100% there with you because it, it was, it was great seeing her doing what she does best. I mean, she's a journalist. And, and mm-hmm. th- instead of trying to force this leadership role like they did with us last season, where it just doesn't make sense. I mean, she she wasn't a scientist. If if they had executed it like they did in this episode, it blocked. Where she was going there, you know, at that crime scene with Captain Singh, and it was I just love that 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 moment where she's like, hey, you know, she's working, you know, she's working like like an investigative journalist would do, investigating these mm-hmm. metas and working the contacts mm-hmm. and following up with the story and 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 
you know, when she also went, she went to go visit the, uh, this, the the police officer who was uh, who was injured when Gridlock uh, was uh, broken out of the the van with, um, yeah, and, yep. and 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 he talked about her blog and all you know all those things. It was just that that they need to do that with her every single time because when it does, it's realistic. It's keeping with their character. It pushes the totally. plot forward. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I, I mean, it, it was a standout for this episode, but it's funny how we, we, I, I have a very similar criticism that I did last week with the premiere. There's there, the Iris storyline and even the Cecile, the Cecile stuff got to me. Um, and I thought, I thought that uh, the, the, there's a moment in the episode where Barry goes to talk to Joe to help with Nora. I love the director who decided to have a pullback tracking shot occur to reveal Cecile listening in on that conversation. I've never seen that done on one of these shows before because this is the first time when when a character is overhearing a conversation and it's not necessarily revealing information about a meta or a power or a conspiracy or a lie or anything. It's just about honest to God parenting mm-hmm. advice. And, and, and I thought that was so genius the way they did that. And this idea that, that C- Cecile, who's, who's now an older mom dealing with an infant, she had a connection with her child, a supernatural connection with her child that she thought she was going to be able to still have. And it was the the saving grace for her because it allowed her to be the perfect parent, only to find out she's losing that, and which which is such a good concept to have because we we've talked about morality with these powers before the idea that can you really can Barry Allen handle just being Barry Allen or does he always have to be the Flash and why and why is that so integral well when you're a parent you assume a brand new identity as someone now like you're just you're a hero to them by nature of blood and just being able to nurture them when they literally can't take care of themselves but I think all of that was a standout yet they still don't know what to do with Cisco and Caitlin. <laughs> and also, WTF, mate, what was up with Ralph's eye makeup? That was distracting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God, they shot a scene with them in mm-hmm. Star Labs right after the fight scene at the end with um, yeah. Cicada, and somebody did not take out, take um, remove Ralph's eye makeup because I could not yeah. stop looking at it. <laughs> Yeah, I guess maybe he was still maybe too weak or something from uh, getting his, his powers taken away for for a bit that he just didn't care. Nah, but no, nah, it was just probably a bad editing job. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was distracting. See, I actually the the story, the triangle with uh, Cisco and Caitlin and Ralph, I, I, it didn't bother me so much. Um, you know, it was. I, you know the way they structured the the story uh, this week. It was the Flash at its when it's at its best. 
because of all the reasons that we mentioned before. I think you're you're spot on with um, that whole the whole parenting discussion with with Joe and, and Barry and Cecilia listening in. I mean, that was a very poignant moment and you know and, and we always you know we, we we joke about the, the joe west moments because those are always the heart of the show uh, and now you know by extension cecile uh having a very you know as as a parent having that that feeling of like helplessness because you know you are the perfect parent and now all of a sudden you're feeling powerless because you you, you don't know you're hearing this baby crying you don't know what what it is and you're trying to figure it out and it you know, just imagine having that power where before you, you were able to just like, oh, I know you're hungry. Oh, I know you're sleepy. Oh, I know you're this. And now all of a sudden coming to grips with, I don't know. I'm just going to have to, you know, use my best judgment to figure out what's going on. And then and then you had the story with Cisco's trying to get over Cynthia. The, you know, it was, I, liked the, I liked the way to utilize Ralph here. Um because I mean, who you know, he's like the last guy on earth you would think would be able to be able to give relationship advice or or, or nurturing advice as far as how to get over someone. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't think, yeah, you know, I wouldn't think of, of Ralph Dibney, Dibney being that individual. But you know, he he gave Cisco the book of Ralph, and there were some very funny moments uh, in in the way that uh, you know the way that Carlos always plays. Cisco and dressing him up, you know, getting him out of his comfort zone and, and putting him, you know, redoing the hair and putting him in these, this like Ralph esque suits. It was funny naturally instead of the forced slapstick that they tried to throw on us last season. At least for <laughs> me. At least for me. I, I, it worked for me. Yeah, I'm like on the opposite end of it. I don't think it was like the slapstick humor of last season. It was just, it's just that I never brought it, bought into the Cynthia Cisco relationship. Now, the fact that they didn't have a time jump and, and so the natural starting off point for Cisco is how he's dealing with his breakup. Well, to me, I'm like, Dude, get over it. It was so long ago. <laughs> actually, but actually, no. it's not because there's no time jump. But I, I, I understand that. I totally understand that. But for me, as a viewer who who admittedly never brought their bought into their relationship, I'm kind of like uh, yeah, moving yeah. on. <laughs> I don't, I don't care. I also just, I mean, we we used to joke all the time. Cisco and Caitlin are so defined by the relationships that they're in with other characters and the loss and the grief and the breakups and everything. It's kind of like, okay, I've, I've seen this before. I, I've, how many boyfriends has Caitlin lost that we we're used to this? There, there, there has to be something else they could be doing. And if they, and if they don't have time to explore that, then then you don't have to utilize them at all. Like, who said you needed a C story yeah. in this? You can expand the A and B stories a little bit more and really flesh out those moments. We could have had about two more scenes with Iris on the trail yeah, of Cicada. Or more, or more CSI Barry, which, again, is another thing I'm happy to see uh, come back. I mean, it take it, it, it's taken ha- having Nora uh, being... Uh, CSI herself, and I, I love that scene with them and Captain Singh, uh, very 
trying to figure out, you know, on the fly there. She's like, she's my, uh, hired an intern. And yeah. And it, mm-hmm. again, those were those, those humorous beats, but also, um, you know, it also, it was just sort of good to see Barry just practicing being a CSI again, because again, we, we've lost that. And, uh, but I hear what you're saying about the the story with Cisco and, and Caitlin and, and trying to figure out what to do with them. Uh, I, I, and it, it, it's for some viewers, I know it's too little, too late with the with the Killer Frost story. It's something that should have been resolved a long time ago, as far as their background. But um, I, I I'm, I'm reserving judgment. Uh, I, I will see how see how this this plays out this season. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not on that yeah. camp at all. Um, I think I think this thread that they're pulling with Caitlin, I'm fine with that. I, I it's mainly the Cisco stuff, and it's just that with Caitlin as a character, they've always been uneven with her her stories, and so it's almost like I'm watching and I'm like, okay, uh huh, hey, you can pull that thread. I don't know how you're gonna follow through on it considering how many letdowns I've experienced before with Caitlin but okay yeah. yeah. do it <laughs> yeah. yeah so Cicada I like I'm, Cicada I, I'm yeah. liking the way they're handling this this villain I don't I'm the more you know they're, they're jumping right into it but in a but there's still some mystery there as far as motivations other than obviously he hates metas clearly yeah. Family died. But <laughs> <laughs> don't don't yappy. You're just like, oh, he's so mysterious. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but yeah, but I mean, other yeah, I mean, other basically, he's just a dude who has who has some issues, and we don't know what those issues fully are, other than that he hates Metas and he and and Nora and Cicada has some kind of connection, uh, based off based off a of look, but. You know, that's yeah. how you read that. Um, I've, well, I don't. I've, oh, there's some familiarity there. I don't know what it is, but yeah, I mean, I, there's something there. I I do. There there is some. It was well played because now you have the fans on two sides of this. Either there's a familiarity there. Um, and and again, this would totally align with my fan fiction about how Nora is mm-hmm. is evil um, because she's Cicada's offspring and Barry's not the real father. Oh my God, it was Iris. Um, <laughs> scandal. Um, and that these characters are all on purgatory with with yeah. Roy. Um, I love the way your mind works. <laughs> or or it's 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 more about it's not about the the eye contact or any kind of familiarity. It's more about dad and that word and the the not even the word but the tone of help and oh my god you're going to die and and fear and that connection you you know and and i guess i do agree to you with an extent that this this episode is very reminiscent to when this show does things right because this show is all about family and there's a lot of family angles going on and the fact that they can allow their villain to have um come at it from a a similar perspective the idea of like 
losing your family to Meta's because that's what I think is yeah. going to come out. Uh, the the tease in the season four finale, there there were um, remnants of a kid or multiple kids around, and they're not there anymore. And there's a reason for that, and I think it's because of the Meta's. Um, now, why his dagger is shaped like a lightning ball? Nor Alan. No, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I I agree. I I, I don't I don't mind. I I didn't like the opening. Um, it it just felt odd to me. Um, there were. I'm still trying to figure out why exactly. It it just nobody's gonna walk into their workplace essentially cleaning themselves off up after killing somebody. Um, like, like who does that? Uh, why? He hated us because he's, he's, he's just, messed up in the head. That's why. <laughs> I don't, I just don't understand. Like, does anybody in Central City pay attention? Nah. Well, I mean, who knows? I mean, maybe his, his, his co-worker there was just like, I, I'm not messing with this dude. He's just, he's... Got he's you know he's got a few cards missing out of the deck and I'm just going to let him do his thing and because it was kind of uh that scene was kind of played where uh he was you know it's like damn you got you know he had a rough night again so clearly his coworkers like I'm not messing with this guy because he is getting into something that I don't want to get into. What was the better opening, Arrow or Flash? Um, better opening this week. I oh, I'd say Arrow. Um, okay. Yeah, I would okay. say Arrow was a better opening for this this the week. I will say though that we've talked about the Flash before, and with this with the season opener last week being felt like being a second part of a two-part episode more so than the series a season premiere um i did feel that uh as far as tone i thought that this episode did set a good tone for this this season because you know many times like i think like last season i felt that the second episode had a little bit of a slump um and i know i know the episode Ratings wise, this week had had a slump, but I think story wise, I, I felt this week's episode was was better than last week's. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm, I didn't. I'm not saying that it's not. I I do think that there was more to like about this week than last week. Um, I I. I think it was you who said it was a two-parter, and me, I'm still like, well, that's episode one and that's episode two. <laughs> but, but you know, I, 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 I'm a little hard on these shows. I'll, I'll admit it. I'm kind of the rain god. Um, I think that's it for us yeah. tonight, though. Do you want to tell our listeners where they can yes, find you? Yes, you can find me at Will M. Polk. That's W-I-L-L-M-P-O-L-K. And you can find me at SJ Belmont, S-J-B-E-L-M-O-N-T. Please follow our crew on Twitter at Cena Nerd. Friend us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. But most importantly, rate, subscribe, and comment on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Spotify. Good night, geek out. You're welcome.